Inception has actually depreciated for me because the more I've thought about it, the more plot holes I've found. Um, not saying it's not, I mean, it's still number three. It's still, still a great movie, but yeah, there are a lot of plot holes. Um, number two is Toy Story 3, and number one is Scott Pilgrim. Inception 
has lost a little bit of its luster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm surprised it stayed with you guys as much as it has. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not surprised because it was definitely a toss-up, Toy Story 3 of Scott Pilgrim. And I had a hard time. But it, it wasn't... Inception wasn't even in the running for Best Movie of the Summer. Well, mm-hmm. uh, Not because it's... I mean, it's like I said, it's a great movie. But there are some plot holes that you could, you know, drive the Death Star through. It's just... Really? Yeah. I disagree. I'm not... No. Yeah. There are some sure huge if, plot holes. I'm not sure if you understood the movie correctly. No. Okay. <laughs> well, it's amazing. It's so good. Why don't you explain, Stephen? There is... Okay. So, for one, he's doing all this to get back to his kids, whose grandfather is in France. Whose grandfather could just bring the kids to France. So he's doing all this to get back to his kids, who he could see if the grandfather just brought him to France with him. Solve problem solved. He doesn't have to go through all this, all this stuff. He doesn't just want uh, to like get back to his kids. He wants to get back to his. But I, I realize that. But the whole, the, the, whole the kids are the driving. His yeah, driving his whole yeah. emotional drive is the kids, and why does this? That grand. There's, there's yeah, also why is Michael Caine just? I mean, Michael Caine's got plenty of money. He can fly the kids to France. It's not a big deal. And there's, there's something there. Remember when he's talking on the phone with his kids and the grandma? The grandma won't talk to him. Yeah. There's something there about he is he is dangerous. He, there, there's something he's a little disturbed. Where there might be a sense that they're trying to protect the kids, the kids from him in yeah. some way. There's a yeah. sense that he doesn't have it all. So I mean. And you if know, that's Mike, the case, Michael it wasn't King, explained well. Even when he talks to Michael King, I, I got that. Yeah. I got the sense that, yeah, yeah. I figured that like clicked with me because Michael King says, you know, you can even tells him when he sits down with him, your kids need more than somebody who just hands them gifts. Yeah. There's, exactly. there's a so sense that he's actually with, he's withholding himself. There's something there, some kind of boundary. Yeah, he could actually see his kids, but there's something more there. Besides just to simply move his kids from here to this other place. He has to deal with his emotional and mental issues before he can even yeah. actually see them. Yeah. And, and he's got a he's got a clearest name to yeah. some extent. That was a big part of it. But he, again, because because with the grandmother not even wanting to talk to him. And then, you know, Michael Caine, he he had the same basic reaction, like like what are you doing here? You know, mm-hmm. it's not safe for you to be here. Um, you know, it's just uh, It's true I, because his children would be living in a, a state of exile. Yeah. Also. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I mean the, just to see the kids, though. He, well, I mean, he's constantly talking about he hasn't seen his kids. That's, and that's the other thing. What is it that he's always avoiding in his dreams? Because he knows that if he sees his kids in his dreams, right, he's not going to leave that. So there's mm-hmm. this sense that he has to actually understand and get a full grip on what reality is yeah. before he's willing to see his kids. If he just sees them... He's, we're, we're going to start to lose a sense. He's going to start to lose a sense whether yeah. or not he's in reality. Right. I think that that, at least that possibility of the kids coming to see him should have been acknowledged. Because it's something that, granted, I didn't, it never even occurred to me watching the movie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I recently saw something online that it, I was like, wait a second. It's something that should have been addressed in the film. Um, there's that and the ending. No matter, not the very end where he actually goes home, but no matter which way you work it out in your head, 
there's some sort of problem with him being young and uh, Ken Watanabe's character. Yeah, Ken Watanabe's being old. So that either my, that was my biggest. There's some. No matter which way you look at it, there's some sort of like there when he goes into uh, the purgatory state. Uh, limbo state. Limbo, limbo. Yeah, sorry. When he goes into limbo, the first time, him and uh, his wife. It's been so long. Yeah, his wife. I was talking about the other no. day. Uh, no, not Ariadne. Ariadne. There we go. I want to say Persephone. Um, him and Ariadne go Mall, into Mall. Mall. Yeah. Mall. Go into limbo. Hang out. <laughs> and then he wow, transfers or transitions <laughs> to the Ken Watanabe's limbo area. Mm-hmm. There's there's some sort of disconnect there in the story, and I'm not exactly sure if that area where him and Ariadne and Mal are in. Is another Mom. dream level? No. Yeah. Uh, is another dream level, or that's actually limbo? I mean, they say that's limbo, but there's there's something going on there that's that's not doesn't quite all mesh together, and that that bugged me in the movie when I was actually watching the movie, mm-hmm. um, and it's bugged me since. Whereas there are things like Scott Pilgrim and Toy Story Three, there is nothing like that that really bothered me. Or continues to bother me. Here's 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 the reason why I put Inception at number one. Uh, first off, uh, we've debated this ad nauseum. I disagree with you, and I see logic in the ending, and mm-hmm. you guys know that. Um, and I think Al, Al, Alvin knows this as well. Um, sure. That I see logic in the ending. I believe, and and so we're not going to go into this. Just understand, viewers, that I think they're full of it. Yeah, well, I figured you're wrong last time we talked about this. No, you didn't. <laughs> So we're not we're not going to talk about that, but I I disagree with you. And the thing about Inception, I think, elevates it above Toy Story three and Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, for me, it really really made me think, and I left that movie, and it has left a huge impact on me. Besides something more than just emotional half, something more than just ecstatic enjoyment. So Scott Pilgrim versus the World, I was I just loved every minute of that movie. Mm-hmm. And there's no real flaws or debate points that I could think about. I'm sure there are some internet troll out there who will point something out. Um, but I'm sitting right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, uh, uh, and then Toy Story 3 really hit, I mean, I, I cried. Yeah. And I, I loved it all the way through. You cried too. I had to wipe uh, your tears. Okay. <laughs> Shut up. We cried together. <laughs> but Inception challenged my philosophies, and Ch- Inception kind of challenged uh, thoughts. I was thinking about it for a long time. Um, Inception, and I love thinking movies that make me think. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. Toy Story 3 and Scott Pilgrim affected me, mm-hmm. but they did not m- affect me and make me think. And I still, I gotta go back to the fact that Inception, some of those the action scenes and besides these you know I tend to not get bogged down by little plot things um, holes I, I tend to not see them until somebody points them out for me um, and so just how it all flowed together as on a large spectrum is beautiful mm-hmm. oh, I, and I agree I mean it is a beautiful that just movie, blew me away but there are things about it that detract 
enough that aren't there for the other two. I just and it's it's the only movie I felt the need to go see again in theaters this summer. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. The other two I love and I'm looking forward to seeing them again, but I didn't feel compelled to pay honestly to see it twice. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I can because it, it didn't have the same. I really wanted to see that room fight sequence again, mm-hmm. like the spinning rooms. I really really wanted to see that. It is the mm-hmm. only movie yeah. I've seen twice this summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's just dropped down. Um, I just still fantastic. Mm-hmm. I've seen all three of yeah. these movies twice each. So, so you have the uh, authority. Which, which of these so three? I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you had uh, you were different from all of ours. You had Toy Story three at the top. Yeah. So while he had Scott Pilgrim, you had Toy Story three. Why do you think Toy Story three is the top? Well, like I said, Toy Story three. Uh, I don't have any major, like, with Inception, my only problem is that I see plot holes. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, it's still my second favorite movie. It's really close to Toy Story 3 for me. And those are the two movies that, at the end of the year, are still going to be at the top of my list somewhere. Yeah. Um, Toy Story 3, I don't have any major, you know, I have little nitpicky things I can pick out here and there, but I don't have any major criticism of it. And it was the most emotionally affecting movie. Um, I think it's the one that's going to stay with me uh, the most, um, uh, and and it also it uh, it improved on if that's even possible the first two movies, the first two Toy Story yeah. movies. It not that it, not that it made them better movies like in, as individual movies, but it took those two movies and brought them even further up in my estimation. Mm-hmm. Of what movie making can be, because when you take the three movies together, it's it's phenomenal. I can't even put it into words. Um, but yeah, it was the most emotionally affecting movie. Um, I think I think it's gonna be the most memorable one for me. Hmm. So I had to drop Toy Story three down to number two um, because I didn't have the same emotional response that you're talking about. I, I see how Toy Story 3 stands on its own as, as a movie. I mean, you didn't cry. And it was a solid movie and it was good. Um, but uh, I, you know, I, I watched some of the podcasts that you guys talked about and I wasn't here for that. And, uh, and I was really surprised to hear that you were like crying or emotional throughout the whole entire thing. I'm like, what is going on? Did like, you say what that? Yeah, what well, Steve's the one that said he was literally in tears the entire from time. Yeah, beginning, I was. Beginning I was. to end, and he had to look away because... Well, that was Steve. Well, okay. <laughs> but still, alright. I mean, like... It's because you have a heart of stone. Yeah. I mean, that's well, fine. No, so, but, but there's nothing... Well, wrong. You know, I'll, yeah, admit, yeah. I'll admit that it's, it's, it's similar for me, because all throughout mm-hmm. that movie, and even watching it a second time... Thank you. So yeah. there you are. Um, all throughout that movie, th- there, there are beats throughout that movie that just hit me so hard emotionally. Sure. Because... Um, it's like I said to you when, I, when we came out. I said I was I was 13 when the first Toy Story came mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. and I talked about this in the in the podcast we did on Toy Story three, mm-hmm. how I went and saw the first two movies again last summer when they released them, yep. and I was there with people my own age, yep. uh, and we had all seen these movies when we were kids, yep. but now they have their own kids, right. and they're bringing their kids to see it, right. and there are beats throughout Toy Story three that acknowledge um, the place yeah. that these movies have yeah. taken hold of in our culture. Yep. And so the, um, throughout the movie, it's making me think back to the first Toy Story 
that came out when I was 13. I was just a kid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it, I think, I think the Toy Story 3's virtue, it goes beyond being a mere movie. Mm-hmm. In that it, it speaks directly into where I am now and where I was, mm-hmm. you know, 15 years ago. Sure. And it's exactly for that reason why I can't be number one for me. Because I don't have that same emotional connection to Toy Story 1 or Toy Story 2 that you have. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it has to stand alone as its own, on its, on its own two feet. And on its own two feet is a good movie. It's not great. Um, not like, you know, the best movie of the year. Because when I look at it, I, I see a, a good solid movie, but I didn't have the same emotional response that you did. For me, I didn't feel like it was drawing on Toy Story one or two. I didn't. It didn't bring me back. That's the problem, right? But so without without those outside uh, influences, mm-hmm. I I could only see it on its own. And I thought, okay, this was good. It was fun, you know. But I don't need to see it again. And uh, and I feel like in order for me to have the kind of experience that you had, I have to go back and watch Toy Story one and two again. But is even then it wouldn't be the same because I wouldn't have the same nostalgia of wow I embraced this character when I was 14 and and now I'm saying goodbye to them in this movie it's not it would I wouldn't have that I don't there definitely is a huge nostalgia factor and living with these characters for so long and you know that this is this is the goodbye this is yeah. saying goodbye to this character but even even without that I'm looking at it just on its own as it's its own movie, mm-hmm. to me, still, it's the most perfect movie that's come out this year. I don't, like I said, I, I have I have almost nothing bad to say about it. Sure, all right, then good for you. <laughs> Is that? Well, I'm, I'm just responding to what you're saying about yeah. putting, putting the movie on its own merits. I don't I don't know how you can say that when you just said that you've had such an emotional response to it. How do you look at it even objectively at this point? Because um, for the moments for you that were nostalgic, I would look at it and be like. Well, that was a little slow. That was a little boring. And, and now, and now I'm saying that putting that aside, just looking at it on its own merits. Right, and I'm telling you that there, the moments where it was meant to be nostalgic for you and anyone else who had that connection, it was boring for me. It slowed down to a point where I'm waiting for something to happen. So it was boring. There were just scenes that, that just didn't quite move. What about that final scene when he's handing the toys over? That was that was that was a nice one scene. of that was one of the most powerful scenes in animated animated films I've ever seen. That that was the scene that I, brought me to that, yeah. made, that made me cry. I don't know if I've that ever seen anything, but that was that moment where you're saying goodbye to the characters. That was literally right. when it comes down and that, to and that does and I don't, fifteen years of history. Yeah, right. that does right. so. I don't know how that scene would play for someone who doesn't have that history with the characters. Right. So for me, like it was, it was nice. I was mm-hmm. seeing a boy giving over his toys. I can see how hard it was for him, and I felt for him because he was giving something up. But for me, that was not a personal goodbye. That wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it was emotional because I see this kid is struggling with it, so I'm feeling for him. But that, that was the extent of it. You know, like it was emotional for me when the. The part where I got choked up was when these characters are about to get incinerated and they're struggling, they're struggling, 
and then they finally come to grips that they're not going to make it out now. Yeah. They're not going to make it. And and they look at each other. They stop struggling. They accept. They it. don't say anything. They just accept their fate and they hold hands and they just wait to die. Mm-hmm. And that's a very powerful thing. I mean, I don't need 15 years of history for that to be powerful. Mm-hmm. But that was enough to move me. And because that had already got me to that emotional place, that when he got to the point where he was handing over his toys, then yeah, then then I also had an emotional response there mm-hmm. as well. But again, um, because I don't have this 15 years of history that you guys had, um, it didn't feel the same way as it did for me, as it, as it did for you. And even though, I mean, even though I still have the emotional attachment, I still put Inception above it. And I think that we can all agree, we all did have these three movies that are in our top three, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're nitpicking, we're pulling these movies a little. Uh, do you think... But I think these are easily the three best. Do you think that's a symptom of a terrible summer movie season? Or... Um, I think that's a symptom of uh, the deconstructive criticism nature of current, like uh, film theory and literature theory. What you mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> I I think the fact that we all three chose the same movies mm-hmm. is because there were really only three good movies this summer. Um, really good movies, which is yeah rare for a summer. It was fair. What's yeah. in here? So, I could actually go on and name, you know, two more and round out a top five of what I think are good movies, mm-hmm. but it was easy for me to pick the, these three movies as yeah. the top three. Yeah, these were the three that stand out for me. Maybe I should say great I'm, movies. The, not... These are the movies that I want to add to my collection. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to add Iron Man 2 because I already have Iron Man, but I'm not going to pay the full price for it. But... <laughs> These, yeah, you're, you're right. These are the three that I want to have. These are the three that I want to tell people about that I want other people to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and these are the three that at the end of the year will probably still be on my top ten list. Or yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I mean, don't Toy Story 3 and Inception yeah. are my top two of the whole year going back yeah. to January. So. When we talked about our top, uh, we've nitpicked the top a little and we got a little heated. Um, but... These movies are amazing. So we love these movies. We're very passionate about these movies. Let's get to some movies that we are also passionate about, but on the other side of the spectrum. Our bottom three. Um, so for our bottom three, I'm going to start with the third worst, the second, and then the worst of all. <laughs> Go for it. All right. So for me, my bottom three are MacGruber, okay. Splice, and The Expendables. So I think The Splice, I know that we talked a little bit about Splice. Splice, I feel like I could watch again and maybe laugh at. The Expendables, if I watch that again, I would just hurt myself and punch <laughs> who's ever near me because I would have to actually want to see good action so I would just get in an actual fight. And I'm so mad at that movie. <laughs> so I didn't see MacGruber. Yeah, neither did I. So I'm curious why you put it as terrible. I think, what, I think what you were the only one who did see MacGruber. Yeah, it's so horrible. It's so <laughs> horribly, horrible, horrible crap. It's just, it's... I went there expecting kind of really silly SNL movie, and it was really... It was disturbing in some of the sex scenes that they did. Um, That's a running theme this summer. Yeah, really strange 
And it just, not only did it not, it didn't really go for like the lowest common denominator, like lots of poop and fart jokes, but it was just dumb. Dumb, long, ran out bits that weren't worth the few gym jokes that were in there. It really, it just, it wasn't funny. It was just gross. Hmm. A lot of times. What and gym jokes? Gym? G-E-M. Gym. Gym. Gem. Oh, gem. I thought you were like gym, like workout gym. No, gym. Like the kind of crude jokes, guys. No idea. Like a oh, you oh. want me to define the word? <laughs> I didn't know you were saying gem. Oh, there's, like there's, there's a few gym. little kind of funny moments okay. in the movie. So and there were some good parts. For yeah, and right. it also, it didn't blow up in the end. Like the MacGruber sketches always do in SNL. Yeah, I just wanted to say anything explosion. Yeah, he defuses the bomb. It's dumb. He oh. should be able to do Yeah, exactly. He's actually successful. I was so mad. Um... <laughs> It's just, it's not, it's not funny. And it kind of, it tries to be, and it fails on like every level. It's just, it's... Huh. Well, but let's hear the other bottom three lists and see yeah. if they match. Actually, my bottom three in order are The Expendables. That's uh, your worst, or is that... That's, no, that's the third worst. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of really bad movies this time. <laughs> the Last Airbender. Oh. And then Splice as the worst movie. And why is Splice so far? Down? I understand Splice what the last Airbender is. Actually, made me feel nauseous. Mm-hmm. That that final scene, rape scene, made me feel sick to my stomach. Yeah. And I was embarrassed to be in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I just I I I hope I never. Even see the covers of that movie again. I just—it it was just—I've forgotten about that scene. I literally <laughs> blocked that scene out of my mind, and now now I don't want to watch Splice again. Horrifying. <laughs> I thought maybe it was just a bad horror movie that I and just, oh. there are there are scenes Sorry. beforehand that are horrifying, uh, and it could have been a decent movie. Oh, oh, uh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, but it's all Splice. Splice is the weird girls one. Oh, yeah. Okay. There are scenes that don't. When they're supposed to be like this somehow tender sex scene between a man and his genetically created monster girl, and everybody in the theater laughs. It wasn't supposed to be tender. It was, it supposed, was supposed to be, to be like, horrifying. It was supposed to be horrifying, but you get the feeling that the filmmakers also also wanted you to see it as a sort of tender experience. Well, I and, get that feeling. And neither no, people weren't horrified. They didn't see it as this sort of. I was. I was horrified. I would. People. I'm talking about the rest of the okay. theater. I was horrified. The rest of the theater laughed. That's not good. Dave was laughing. My brother was laughing. Yeah, they were laughing. This is this is the thing about that scene. Um, I couldn't decide if I found that scene more horrifying or the scene where she um, performed surgery on her. While she was still awake. Yeah. That was yeah. Because oh. that was a, that that was a horrifying scene. And then he comes in and shows her mercy. Shows shows the creature mercy. And then later he has sex with her. Yeah. Um, and it's like these two scenes are they're both just so wrong in their own way. And I could not my my brain could not go there like which one I found more horrifying. But not the problem was counseling. I've realized how much of this I blocked out. Like seriously, this is not good. But not wrong (laughs) in like a 
this good looks like our second bottom. Horror like, kind of way. Is still lower, but it might just switch now. See, for me, God, <laughs> for me, that movie derailed as a horror movie. Mm-hmm. When they decided to go back, and you get the sense that they're going to destroy her. Yeah. And this is after one's um, molested it, and the other <laughs> ones had sex with it. Um, yeah. And not only that, but Adrian Brody, who's an amazing actor, well, okay, gives the, 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 the monster looks like a woman, except has a tail. It does, it does look slightly yeah. human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but Adrian Brody gives a terrible <laughs> performance. The monster is just stupid looking. It looks like a girl that shaved her head and has a tail. It, it's the ridiculous. Knees, the knees bend the other way. And the knees bend the other way. I mean that. It, and she's bald. Yeah, that's she shaved her head. Uh, she doesn't have wings till later. And big eyes. She just it, the monster just did not feel. It felt like. Yeah, I don't remember which one of you said this, but one of you said that it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It wasn't human enough, but it wasn't monster enough mm-hmm. yeah. at the same time. And I kind of, I think that's kind of how I feel about it. Because there are parts where I felt sympathy for it, and then there are parts where I was, like, horrified by it. Yeah. Which I think is was the point of the movie. Yeah, I think it was intentional. Yeah. So I was like... What's, well, what's your bottom three? I think we'll be talking about Splice more, but what's what's your bottom three? My bottom three, number th- third worst would be The Last Airbender. Okay. Um, my second worst is actually Dinner for Schmucks. Mm-hmm. And really? My, yeah. And my least favorite uh, is The Expendables. Why is Dinner for Schmucks? I mean, for, for me, well, Dinner for Schmucks isn't... It's it's in the middle of the summer for me. Um, but why is, why is Dinner for Schmucks that far down for you? For one thing, I really can't remember anything about it that... Hmm. Uh, positively. I mean, I, I know that after we saw it and we talked about it on the podcast... Um, there were things we were pointing out that were funny, and I know there were funny bits in that movie, but nothing of it stuck with me mm. um, in a way that, say, the other guys has. Like, a lot of the comedy in the other guys was funny, and but was brilliant enough that it stuck with me. Dinner for Schmucks, um, the impression that I have on it now, looking back, is more of just there was a lot in that movie that I found distasteful and uh, not funny and just like struggling to get through, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't hold together. More than splice, huh? <laughs> More than splice. <laughs> yeah, because I, because to a point, I think splice is a good horror movie. Wow. Well. Okay. <laughs> um. Well, I th- I think we'll probably be ranking splice and flip charts so we can talk more about it. Um, uh, maybe. Uh, Alvin, uh, what's what's your bottom three? Well, see, I. Don't subject myself to the same awful movies that you guys <laughs> like to watch. So smart man. So I've only actually seen six. So these are the other three that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> so going in descending order um, is Iron Man two, the other guys, and Dinner for Schmucks. And uh, do you yeah. feel that Tom gave a pretty accurate description of Dinner for Schmucks? Do you uh, feel the, the same well, way about it? I mean, when I saw it. I really didn't have fun until about halfway to two-thirds of the way through the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really enjoy it. Like, it wasn't until they got to um, the, the, the brunch scene with the client 
like I said, it was the first cringeworthy moment when you feel bad for the guy and things are getting awkward and that's that was when I, when I actually started to laugh a little bit. And then you got to the dinner itself and that was kind of funny, I'm loading eggs in your brain or whatever, right? And uh, pew, 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 like shooting at each other, whatever, right? And that was it. So like there were a couple of moments when it was funny, um, but yeah, I didn't like the protagonist, I mean, which is necessary for a movie of that kind because you want to sympathize with him. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I didn't, and I didn't like Steve Carell's character. So, I don't know, there wasn't anything likable about the movie. There was a couple of funny bits, and then that was it, the end. So, so I mean, out of the six that I've seen, like, that is at the bottom. But yeah, I think I think Tom, I agree with Tom in, in that it wasn't a great movie, and it was pretty bad. Uh, but after hearing about what you guys are saying about Splicer, <laughs> I'm I was shocked. Say, do you feel like you saw more movies, Iron Man 2 and the other guys would still be in your bottom? Or do you feel like they're oh, pretty no. good that there were worse movies and you just didn't see them? Yeah, there are definitely worse movies I just didn't see them. Uh, I mean, Iron Man 2 I didn't like very much. Like, really? I, I thought it was okay. You know, but the mm -hmm. but the first one was just so much better. So this was, this was a bit of a... This is actually quite a bit of a letdown. See, I came out of Iron Man 2 feeling like it was as good as the first one. Oh, no. Um... I think since then it's sort of fallen a little bit for me, but not that much. I still feel like it was pretty a pretty decent movie. Um, so I'm I'm surprised you didn't like it. I think the thing that really disappointed me the most was the boss fight at the end. I mean, I understand there's a boss fight, whatever, but there was no dramatic tension there You're right. whatsoever. Yeah, mm -hmm. there was never any point in time when I was thinking to myself, "Oh man, he might not pull through. He might not make it." Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and but I had that with the first one, right? With uh, you know, he's running out of the battery with this thing with the boss fight. Like that's over here, no no dramatic tension. He's fighting all these other robots, but I don't know, it, it never felt like he was overmatched. Yeah. So so well, that was huge letdown. It was really That's true. Yeah. The fight the fight with the army of robots between uh, Iron Man and War Machine and the and the robots. Yeah. I thought was really, really cool. That was cool. Yeah, I um, yeah, it was but okay. then, but then, uh, and and that was also a big like crowd moment too because the crowd was really into it. And when he yeah. like does the big like spins around, yeah, the crowd like claps. It was a, it was a cheer was like, moment. Yeah. But after that, um, I agree that the they took down, um, what's his name, Whiplash, yeah, mm -hmm. whatever, uh, Mickey Worse, you know, villain. Yeah. They took him down really easily. It seemed yeah. like. Huh. And, you, and you're right, there was no dramatic tension. Yeah. And um, while I enjoyed it in the moment, um, thinking back on it and, and conversations I've had with people, with, with you guys and with other people, um, there are a lot of criticisms yeah. that I can give this movie. Mm -hmm. A lot more than the first Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Even though the first Iron Man, I thought, kind of fell apart in the end, mm -hmm. uh, this one did too. But this one had more like throughout that mm -hmm. wasn't done very well. Hmm. I still think Iron Man 2 is a good movie though. Just I, I, I don't think I would even want to buy it. Okay. You know? Well, so you you didn't have I'm curious because we haven't talked about Last Airbender. Um, and you didn't have that as one of your worst movies. It's it's right above MacGruber. Oh, okay, so you do consider it. <laughs> yeah. Because that's directly above MacGruber. I I was tempted to make that the worst movie this summer. And, and below, it wasn't for and below Robin Hood. So. Um, but 
because mainly because it was such a disappointment. It should have been good. In anybody else's hands, it would have been a good movie. Well, that's not true. It would bowl. He <laughs> have, you know what? He probably could have done a better job. But I, I hate him much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know what happened with The Last Airbender or what has happened to M. Night Shyamalan, but it, it was bad. But it's not... Don't watch MacGruber, but please, trust me, MacGruber's worse than The Last Airbender. Okay, there I was, believe you. There was cool fight scenes in The Last Airbender that gave it a, a little bit of redemption that yeah. I enjoyed watching. There's very, almost nothing that I enjoyed watching about MacGruber. Hmm. Almost nothing. I, I had I had Last Airbender as my number three worst of the summer. Yeah. But if we're going like all the way back to January, there's plenty of movies that were, that were worse. way worse than Last Airbender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Last Airbender kind of ended up at number three. It, it wasn't a good movie by any means, but it kind of ended up there by default. Because mm-hmm. there are parts of Last Airbender, just bits, that I can remember really liking. And I can't say that about... And that's the thing I can't say about Jennifer Schmucks, and that's why mm-hmm. I was worse. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I realize that my ties to the series make yeah, it yeah, a much yeah. worse movie for me. Yeah. And... Make and that's the resentment fun. That's, that's where your greater. ranking goes. Yeah. Sure. You know. You know. Yeah, but even without that, I can see where the weaknesses are. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. In yeah. the adaptation, even. Um, but it just makes me more angry. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, sure. we have. Uh, I thought we were going to get to some of the middle movies, but that's fine. Yeah. I would like to do a quick shout out to Karate Kid. I think I'm the only one of us that saw it. So anyways, we're going to go to Flick Chart. And <laughs> it was a really quick shout out. Quick sh- you got a quick shout out. It was a really good movie and I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. And I wish we had had a chance to talk about it. Where would you put it? Would, would you put it like right below your top? I would, it's actually my fourth. It's your fourth? Oh. Yeah. Okay. I really, really enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I think the one that I saw that you guys didn't is my fourth. What yeah, one? And that was Micmax. Micmax? Yeah. Uh, I think I'd also like to give We'd probably all like to give a shout out to probably City Island. Yeah. Which for me was going to be, it was hard for me, it's my fourth or my fifth. Um, Because that one one came out in spring, but it didn't reach Reach uh, us theater until Mm -hmm. here in Binghamton. Now we're going to do our flick chart segment. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different this week than we usually do. Uh, usually we add the movie that we've seen that week to our flick chart rankings. This week we're just going to uh, have random rankings from within the year 2010. Um, and our first two movies that are against each other are Toy Story 3 and Shutter Island. And although this is easy for me, because I, I think I made it clear that Toy Story 3 is the best movie of the year for me, Shut around is in my top five for the year. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I agree with you. Toy Story three is better than, Sh- than Shutter Island, um, but Shutter Island surprised me because um, it, it really wasn't the movie I was expecting to get when I went in to see it. It doesn't feel like a typical Martin Scorsese first off. It's not like a gang movie. It's not you know, um, and the characters feel very different. It's got elements of a B movie horror. A little bit of film noir. Um, it's still got the disturbing content of a Martin Scorsese movie. Um, I think it's DiCaprio's better performance. I think yeah, it's definitely it's one of DiCaprio's best yeah, performances. He's a lot better in Shutter Island than he is in Inception. Um, 
but it's still it's not it's not as good as Toy Story three. That's but it is it's very very. I'm sorry, good. I'm just really just, that's really distracting. <laughs> uh, He's petting the dog. <laughs> the incidental. The incidental dog. Um. <laughs> I didn't hear half what you just said. Sorry. <laughs> no, I agree that. Uh, Steve will repeat this, it for you. Yeah, He's right. my publisher. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shutter Island was very surprising, and I hated every minute of it. Oh, I'm scared. Don't want to. I don't want to agree. With you. Um, it was. It was. I. Toy Story Three is is the better movie, but Shutter Island was a really good movie, and with you, it's in my top five for the year. Yeah, uh, it's a surprising, and even though I saw the ending coming a mile away. It was still surprising to me, right. the way it was approached. Um, what you were saying about this being strange for being a Scorsese movie, yeah. is this is something he does every few years. He does one of those, you know, uh, a, a different kind of thriller, like what he did with Cape Fear. Yeah. Or, um, trying to think of, well, that one's one that comes to mind. But. Yeah, every now and then he does a movie that's outside of what has kind of become... Scorsese genre. The Scorsese yeah. genre. Yeah. I mean, even uh, Aviator mm-hmm. is not kind of classic Scorsese, not dealing with the gang and crime lifestyle. Um, I'm trying to go. Uh, if you go back earlier, King of Comedy mm-hmm. is definitely not what you would normally think of. And he's done a couple of documentaries. So every, every now and then he does do something. And this, this is interesting because it still blends some of the the uh, topical elements of crime and things like that. So some of the thematic classic Scorsese stuff, mm-hmm. but in a really different mm-hmm. genre for him. A really, really different genre. And I think, for me, this really showed his ability as a director. Um, again, like reinvigorated that he still is quite amazing. Yeah. Um, the Departed did not do that for me. Whereas this kind of did, because The Departed was still a, a gangland thriller, and he has made several of those. Um, it's very good, but it didn't kind of remind me that his directing is amazing. Okay. So pretty much we think Shutter Island's an amazing movie, but Toy Story, Toy Story, Story 3 is still our... Yeah. I'm yeah. talking about Toy Story 3, because... You know, it's a Toy Story 3 being Shutter Island. Do you like Toy Story 3 to help him? Uh, I thought it was alright. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Shutter Island Trevor versus really like Shutter Island. Island. Shutter Island Day. Well, at least you get to talk about Shutter Island. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to talk about Robin Hood? Well, we haven't talked about Robin Hood at all. No. Yeah. Um, Robin Hood is in my bottom five for the summer. Really? Yeah. Robin Hood. I don't know. Robin Hood has made me doubt the combination of Russell Crowe. And Ridley Scott. Um, I know one of our podcasts we did on Body of Lies. It was it was a weird summer for me because Robin Hood made me doubt it, and Body of Lies, which was an earlier one, kind of made <laughs> me like like their combination again. But then I think to myself, but that was actually made before Robin Hood. Yeah. So Robin Hood is where they're at now, and they're not doing so hot. So my mind is very confused, <laughs> very confused as far as Ridley Scott Robin Hood goes. It wasn't a bad movie. It was really well made. It's, mm-hmm. it's well made. Um, but, and I, I think we all agree that it was, we were bored with it. 
to, to a large extent. And it, it's not very memorable. Mm -hmm. um, for me, like going back and like pitting movies against each other, Robin Hood comes out on top a lot of the time just on the virtue of it being a well-made movie. Um, but it not being memorable, it gets beat a lot of the time. Yeah. So it's really, it's really a middle. It's a great middling like start to a movie. If they just condensed that and then finished the movie, it would have been actually really. By the time I got to the end, I and, felt and like. And the end of this movie is the beginning of the classic traditional Robin Hood. Yeah. Story. Mm -hmm. By the time I got to that final battle, I was kind of into it. But up until then, I was just bored. I was like, let's get there. And it was just sort of, okay, we're going to do the sort of prequel to the Robin Hood story, but that's not interesting. That's boring. He's just some dude. And I don't want to watch just some dude running around the English countryside. And the thing is, we know what that Pride dude becomes. Mm. Like we, and we know how cool. Yeah. And they, they how give cool us, he becomes. They give little hints. The two scenes I remember, the one the one big scene is when it's just this shot of him silhouetted in the green hood, mm -hmm. sitting on the log that's knocked down. And you get that little shot of his merry men like dropping and knocking some heads out and they take a little bit of money from the rich. And that's the other thing. That scene, the scene I remember. The scene with the merry men. Those guys were funny. Those guys were very and interesting funny. to watch. Yeah. They were in the, they were not in the movie that much. Yeah. It's almost like if if, if yeah. they had if they had just Try to retell the classic Robin Hood story. I, I, I appreciate what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, which is to give you the history of, mm -hmm. of where the legend of Robin Hood came from. And you have to do that by setting it up. But it's more interesting who he became after that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't seen it, but so I, my, my obvious question is. For me to hear that it's a prequel, kind of seeing how he becomes Robin Hood, that, that kind of makes me think about Batman Begins. And Batman Begins was yeah. a really good and very engaging movie. So what made this boring when 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 a prequel like Batman Begins, like a, a start, like a reboot type of thing? Hmm. You know, Batman is cool even before he becomes Batman. Uh, and his, his training, what he does to become Batman is interesting. Okay. You know, I mean, he travels the world, uh, trains on he top of mountains. He immerses himself in criminal culture. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Robin Hood just sits on a log, smokes a pipe until he becomes Robin Hood. What's he doesn't that? really do much. <laughs> he just kind of sits around and is upset with the status quo. He's, he's a soldier yeah. who shows up. He's already a good fighter. Um, and he just decides to help out a village, basically. He decides mm -hmm. to step up. And there's there's this hint that he had some kind of connection to the village. Um, I remember Christopher Plummer gives him the sword. Um, mm -hmm. But in the end, there's not a transformation. He's mm -hmm. not a dynamic character. We don't actually see him... In my mind, we don't actually see him grow. Mm -hmm. He just t takes upon the role that we know he's going to take. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. From the beginning, it Russell Crowe is is like, you know, center of the action. His I mean, his character as you know, is the center of the movie, mm -hmm. and this is one of Russell Crowe's like least engaging performances. Mm -hmm. I I think, and the movie hinges on that. 
on that character to open that performance. To open. And maybe maybe it's just in relation to other Russell Crowe movies or other Russell Crowe performances or other Ridley Scott movies. But the the action is shot. It's a bad comparison. The action is shot kind of gladiator style. Yeah. Remember the trailer had a gladiator somewhat feel, yeah. even a Kingdom of Heaven feel. Yeah. And it feels like in this Russell Crowe is playing a tired Maximus. Yeah. Like, all right, I'll go fight. <laughs> and he goes and fights, and you just figure he's gonna win because he's Russell Crowe. And um, I don't. I think that this movie, in a sense, it didn't. I just I, I don't know. I felt like throughout the entire movie. It was, I felt like it. Just wait, just wait. I'm gonna do something cool. Yeah. Just wait. I'm gonna do something. And then at the at the very end, you get something kind of cool, and then. You expect something more, and then maybe like, that's what it was. Uh, this this movie was a build up to something that never came. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It has Kate Blanchett on the ponies. Kate Blanchett is really good. In it. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoy Kate Blanchett. Yeah. I don't like the end scene where she brings a bunch of pony fighting boys. That's the other scene that stands out. <laughs> pony fighting. She had like it's supposed to be like this big dramatic battle, and she comes <laughs> yeah. up with this like group of little like eight to twelve year old boys all on, on ponies, ponies, and they they're, and they like run into this huge battle, and I'm supposed to. It looks ridiculous. Like, they don't even make a wow. dent. Like, I'd be like, those kids would be slaughtered. Wow. They're on, they're literally, first off, I would be so embarrassed if I was an eight-year-old boy. Like, <laughs> all these men with big boats and axes, and they're chopping each other up, and she's like, let's ride ponies in. I'd be like, no. I'm not riding that pony in. Are you kidding me? I'm embarrassed that I own a pony. <laughs> That's what would be going through my mind. I wish I had a pony. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right, so okay. about Robin Hood. anyway, Shutter Island's definitely right. <laughs> better movie here, and uh, we'll do one more uh, flick chart matchup here. Uh, this is one that all four of us have seen, both of these <laughs> movies, um, and How to Train Your Dragon versus Iron Man Two. This is good because I think uh, a few of us really wanted to talk about How to Train Your Dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Since it wasn't really a summer release. No, no it wasn't. Um, but I know, I've heard what you've had to say, and I'd like to hear... I want to hear it again, because yeah. I, I loved How to Train Your Dragon. I was so immersed in that movie, and when I came out, I was disappointed with my life. <laughs> I did not want to live... We're all disappointed with your life. <laughs> I do not want to live here anymore. I wanted to go to Scandinavia and find a dragon and uh, build a tail for it and do... Oh, it's your mom. She's disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we're all in agreement here because, like, How to Train Your Dragon was just brilliant. It was beautiful. It was really well done. And, uh, and, and it really brought out a lot of adventurous emotions in me. Also being, like... I've always been like the kid who was picked on, underdog, and all of that. So I really, mm. I really identified with the character, and then uh, you know the whole dad not approving him thing. There's so much in there, so yeah. it was just it really hit home on a lot of different levels. So I have a question yeah. for you. Oh boy. Because this hit home in nostalgic ways. I know this isn't the ranking, but how would you rank this against Toy Story Three? Oh, I put this above it. Yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and not and I don't mean like nostalgic I mean it's a different kind of nostalgic because it's a personal appeal yeah because I like that he's an underdog I like that he becomes an engineer invents things I like that he is able to stand up to his dad and to be be willing to be different and embrace that that he's able to make friends with the most dangerous dragon ever and like he leads 
a bunch of other kids who used to pick on him like into battle and he wins them over he wins them all over mm-hmm. which is which is a beautiful thing um and, and what's and, the name and, of the dragon his dragon I can't remember. he calls it toothless toothless, toothless, yeah. toothless that's yeah it. so i mean uh what i like i have to put this above toy story because on its own it is it is just so much better. Like if I if I if I had the opportunity to look at Toy Story and Toy Story Two again, and I could rank it against the Toy Story, like trilogy, then maybe I'd feel a little differently. Mm-hmm. But um, on this own, this this beats it hands down. Yeah, it, it it's interesting because this How to Train Your Dragon seems like the summer movie that we didn't get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because it it did came out earlier. It came out in March. Um. But it did so well, it stayed around long enough that I think it was still in theaters. Still in theaters. Um, it's on the discount. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that's interesting to me is um, the past few summers, uh, maybe going back to the early 2000s, um, it seems like every every summer there there's like a, there's that one movie that kind of like comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and you hear about it, and you're like, it's not going to be very good. But I'll go see it. And it blows you away. Mm-hmm. And that's what this movie did for me. I, I went to see it kind of like, okay, when I first heard it, I was like, it's just another DreamWorks movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. going to enjoy it. But then I started hearing things about it, and I was like, girl, I'll give it a chance. Mm-hmm. I went and saw it, and I loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the best. And, and this <coughs> in Shutter Island rounds out my top five of the year mm-hmm. with the three, my top three for the summer. Sure. So it, it almost feels like the summer movie that didn't come out in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, between Shutter Island and this, there, the summer movie season, if you could just extend it to include those, it would be, and and Kick Ass, it would be. I mean, though, that's usually a period, a graveyard period of terrible movies, mm-hmm. and we've been getting some of the best movies of the summer in that period, even though it's not, not the summer. summer. Yeah, they're the movies that should have been that should have made the summer great. Yeah, but they didn't, and which I like because yeah. then there's movies to see all throughout the year. Right. Yeah, right. Iron Man. You don't have to go see Jumper. Yeah, whereas, whereas <laughs> Iron Man Two is like the classic, good, well done, smart summer movie. Yeah, in my mind, it's a it's kind of a comic book movie. It has action. It has mm. decent characters. There are some letdowns and things mm. that we can criticize, which I think is just part of the summer movie. Yeah. That just yes. <laughs> well, it, but yeah. it's, and it's good and it's cool. Also, it's a sequel. Mm-hmm. That's a summer movie because yeah. that's all, that always happens. Yeah. Whereas, but it doesn't have it doesn't have the emotional heft. How to Train Your Dragon has some. They took some cues from Wally mm-hmm. with the interaction between the kid and Toothless, mm-hmm. and there's some really really cool scenes in there when he's first approaching Toothless when he's just learning about him um, some interesting montages and their connection is really fun and this is actually a movie that I I wish I had seen this movie in 3D there's very few movies that 3D is so big right now that a lot of people I feel like aren't doing it right and there's almost no need to go see most of them this is a movie that I regret no. Not seeing it in 3D because yeah. I heard so yeah, much yeah. about how much fun it was in 3D. Well, the, the, yeah. the way they shot the flying scenes was oh yeah, really unbelievable. Even in yeah. 2D, mm-hmm. yeah, you were yeah. right there yeah. on the dragon with Hiccup. Yeah, yeah, and this was one of the first 
um, especially DreamWorks yeah. films that didn't rely on pop culture references for humor. Yeah. And I appreciated that so and no. uh, so well written. Despicable Me kind of did that too. Um, but this was the first one that really sort of jumped away from that idea. Despicable Me is in DreamWorks. No, I realize that. I'm, just, I'm talking. About, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. talking about just Movies. animated film. This was the. This, I think this was, even the Toy Story one and two does a lot of pop culture references, which I don't have a problem with. It's funny, and Toy Story does it well. But this is the one of the first animated films that I've seen that doesn't rely on a pop culture reference for its humor. Yeah, the script is really strong. Yeah. Yeah. Without relying on. Yeah. There's one. There's one pop culture reference in the entire movie. Mm. There, he refers to Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Oh, does he? Uh, yeah. he, he makes little comments about yeah. certain shield levels. That's it. Oh, that yeah. the character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's it. That's that's the only one throughout the entire movie. Yeah. 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 But even that fit in well. It I fits. It was yeah. Fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that that felt more like a general kind of geek. Yeah. Character. Sure. Yeah. Versus yeah. a specific. It, it didn't feel like they need to put like a trademark in or something. Yeah. You know. Actually, um, I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this movie was written by the same the same guy that, that did uh, Lilo and Stitch. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh. And this the cinematographer I told you guys after the film was Roger Deakins, the guy who does most of the work for the Coen Brothers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the cinematography in this was mm-hmm. amazing. It was, some of the shots were yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And yeah, and this is this is one of those movies that makes you that like, well, for me. Um, and, and it happens rarely, but I go to a movie and I, and I watch a movie, and this is what happened with this movie, that just reaffirms my faith in movies. Yeah. Like what yeah. movies can do. Yeah. How yeah. movies can make me feel, where they mm-hmm. can take me. Yeah. Um, oh. The world that can immerse me in. I want to see it. I definitely want to see it in 3D. And, and, um, and I remember this stuck out to me. I, um, I, I, think, I think even the soundtrack to this was just really yeah. well done. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it really just brought you up there with him soaring in those clouds and uh, yeah, I, 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 I would be interested to see who, who wrote it because mm-hmm. it, was, it was that memorable the whole thing just you know, great you know what else was cool was that it would keep like climbing back up the charts as far as yeah. like, as far as m- making money and t- oh, yeah. ticket sales because when it first wow. came out it wasn't that high and then like a month or so later it was literally at number one yeah. and just word of mouth this yeah. movie had crawled its way back up, and I was that's doing like, a little that's bit of like research. Despicable Me yeah. did that Despicable too. Me this has that. definitely been the summer of the animated film, mm-hmm. because three animated films that all, I mean, Toy Story three was a little more anticipated, yeah. Um, but even then, I think it surpassed most people's expectations. All three of the animated films that came out this summer were just just blew everybody awesome. away, and. Yeah. Top the the charts as far as money making. Mm-hmm. So another thing that's interesting to me about How to Train Your Dragon is I think it's this. I don't know if this has happened since The Matrix, but The Matrix came out in March as well, mm-hmm. and that was a movie that came out of nowhere mm-hmm. and was absolutely amazing and then built by word of mouth and more and more people want to see it. it. And it turned out to be like the best like escapist movie of the year. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, just I, the, the parallel just yeah. hit me. Yeah. But definitely How to Train a Dragon over Iron Man too. All right, so yeah, we're definitely choosing How to Number Train a Dragon. Number one of the year for me. And uh, pow.
And that will be the end of our flick chart segment. <laughs> Uh, and I still have nothing more to say about that. <laughs> Good. <laughs>
hoping that it will be something great. It's a strange race, David. Uh, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds delicious. <laughs> well, you know. Now, I've been a fan of George Clooney since he started making movies. This is going all the way back to Batman. <laughs> this is going back to, like, the mid-90s when he's... From Dusk Till Dawn was his first yeah. Yeah. starring role. Out of uh, sight. But yeah, but then he did Out of Sight. Mm -hmm. um, he did Three Kings. Yeah. Oh, Brother Art Thou. And it just, mm -hmm. I mean, forgetting about Batman and Robin, um, mo besides that, every one of his movies, he, he's just, he, he's a very interesting lead actor. And uh, I think, and he's one of my favorite movie stars. He has to be, I mean, because... Pretty much every movie that comes out that I hear that he's starring in, I'm like, oh, that's kind Except of for Solaris. Was it Solaris? I didn't see Solaris. Yeah, yeah, that was really bad. But and I, I didn't particularly care for Soriano, but he was really good in that mm -hmm. as an actor. He really stretched himself as an actor in that movie. Um, the, more, the more I've watched Soriano, it's really appreciated with extra watches because it becomes yeah. less convoluted. He wasn't a romantic lead in that movie. Yeah. He was just like a schlubby. Mm -hmm. um, on his way out, CIA agent uh, with like a green beard, and you know, mm. just it's a very interesting part of the play. But not only is he a great movie star, he's he's been showing himself in the past few years, like you're saying, as a really good actor. Mm -hmm. um, and so I like Well, he see he was still interesting in that movie. Though. Yeah, I mean that that movie was a letdown, but. Um, but I like that he does stuff like this, too, mm -hmm. where he's the only name attached to this movie that th that people are going to recognize. Here, anyways. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, even, even I, and I know I know a lot of names attached to movies, the only name I knew before tonight was George Clooney. I didn't yeah. even know who the director was until Nate started telling me about him, so. Is this going to be in English? Yes. Yes. Just curious. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably going to be partly in Italian, subtitled. Yeah, sure. But I mean, he—he's an a—he's an American assassin, so he—he's probably going to speak a little bit of English. There's going to be some stuff in Italian, but yeah. Well, I mean, he's in Europe. Yeah. So there's should there probably won't be a lot of subtitles, but yeah. I imagine yeah. the majority of the dialogue will be in English. It's—it's it's mm. getting a wide release in America, though. An opening wide release, so it's probably that rarely happens for something that's fully subtitled. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's yeah, weird. It feels like a foreign film, except that George Clooney's starring in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it bizarre. And I, yeah. I did read one, <laughs> I did read one interview with Anton Corbin about that, and that's pretty much how he described it: that it's a foreign film, and he just put George Clooney into mm -hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, there is a part of me that does hope that a good portion of the movie is in Italian. Mm -hmm. in, in a non-English yeah. language because I, I feel that if there's too much of the English it would, it would almost offset the feeling and the balance of it you would not feel like he is the American who is in another culture mm -hmm. you know what I mean like yeah. if there's too much English then, then he's not the American he's, he's just another guy mm -hmm. right so I'm expecting there's a sense of being isolated there's of being a foreigner of not really you know of not I'm not really fitting in, you know, I'm really standing out. Or the, the movie that I'm thinking about that is similar in terms of just mm -hmm. the starting out plot is in Bruges. Yeah, everybody speaks English. Well, just because, you know, it's it's an assassin hiding out in a foreign mm -hmm. town that he knows nothing about. Mm -hmm. And hygiene's in 
Yeah, I kind of get the feeling that this is going to be a lot different stylistically and mm-hmm. like tonally, but yeah. mm-hmm. that's kind of like the thing I'm thinking back to. And if it's anything as good as In Bruges was, then... Mm. I haven't seen In Bruges. But I'm really looking forward to this being like a foreign film with George Clooney. So yeah. I, do, I do agree with that. And, and it'll be neat for me too. I, I agree with Steve just because um, I know very little about it and I have not seen a lot of George Clooney's recent stuff. In fact... You know, when I think George Clooney, honestly, I think mostly to ER, I think of Batman and I think of Little Brother Where I Found. Yeah. You know, and I know he's done some serious roles since then. I'm sorry, I mean, that's just and what Ocean's I know. Yeah, and Ocean's Eleven. So, like, I don't really know him in too many serious roles. Yeah. So, I mean, he's always been kind of like a, a goofball, slacker, whatever kind of guy in my mind. So, I mean, I'm aware of these serious roles. I'm aware that he's gotten a lot of a claim for them, uh, so I'm I'm hoping that this is going to be the film that opens my eyes to see that part of them. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm excited about. I'm looking forward to putting the summer season behind me too. That start seeing yeah. some real good yeah. Oscar movies. I'm I'm looking forward to the fall season. There's a lot of movies. The more and more I think about it, really excited about True Grit. Some of my favorite Let me westerns. In. Let me in. The Harry Potter. Harry Potter, the town. The town, yeah. Uh, wow. It it fascinates me. Ben Affleck's sudden resurgence. He decided to be a good actor. Yeah, reminding people he he's actually a good actor, blowing people away with his ability to direct and got yeah. baby gone. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm 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 excited for the fall. Yeah. A lot more than I was for the summer. Yeah. A definitely. lot more. Um. There's lots of stuff coming out that I really want to see. Okay. So you can check us out at incidentallog.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or Flickchart, both Incidental Dog. And we'll be back next week to talk about the American. Or you can send questions too. Or you can send questions at gmail.com. Yeah, and Nate will answer them personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, No matter how many questions you send, (laughs) he'll answer every single one, even if it takes him a week straight and he doesn't get to sleep. He will answer them all. See you next week. I like (laughs) Bobby.